All right, we've got the Boogeyman live via satellite. David Gunn from King810 and Yavid is here. David, we've been talking about doing something like this for a while. Uh, the goal and idea is to have you on relatively frequently, just talking about various topics. Amongst other surprises, which we'll get to at some point uh, that I'm excited to share. Uh, but the reason why we got you here today is to talk about ancient Rome. Um, kind of before the show, we were talking about the similarities between ancient Rome and America, and you said you had a funny way to think about that. Uh, could you tell us what you meant or what you were thinking? Yeah, when you brought it up to me, I was thinking it would be pretty corny to just spout off historical facts or whatever that everyone knows, because I'm not a historian or an accomplished, you know, scholar. And I thought there's then a hundred movies, fake movies, real movies, documentaries, stuff like that about Rome, ancient Rome. There's this kind of role-playing fascination with the whole thing. And I, I thought it would be kind of lame to kind of do a pissing contest where i'm like you know uh i know a, i know a lot about ancient rome and here's some factoids like a <laughs> trivia kind of thing yeah started what i tried to think about is I guess what i try to think about with anything is what how does it how are we oriented to that time frame or how how might we look back at it and how do we resemble it? What type of reflection is it giving back to us? So I tried to think of things um, like how we might be similarly oriented to yeah. ancient Rome instead of just doing old, old stupid things. And I, I held the the question in my head for a minute. And as I was walking around, like I said, I just had a notepad that I that I wrote it wrote things down with because the first thing I thought of was was kind of boring you know ancient rome was a republic and i was only really thinking about 100 bce to we'll say zero because it's funny to say year zero but yeah when i think of ancient rome i think of bc i don't know that's probably not an official definition or anything but i kind of homed in on that time frame and i was thinking the first thing that popped into my mind was an interesting factoid about uh, how the most important idea in in the Roman Republic was the idea that it was a republic, because I find that is the most important idea about the American Republic is the idea that it is a republic. And when you talk to most people these days, they think we have a democracy. They'll say it as if it is a noun, and technically, semantically, it is a noun, but democracy, democracy is kind of something you do it's more like of a verb it's something you practice you know what i mean um democratic you know whatever it might be voting debate whatever uh but we have a republic and not only do i have a, a problem with people thinking we have a democracy and ignoring the republic part of it but i i i have another strange contention with when you look up on the machine that never tells a lie google um, <laughs> it tells you that a republic is a government form of government that has a constitution and that the constitution is put into place to state basic rights for for the minorities and 
it's almost as if the government wrote it itself. You know what I mean? Because in what there is no time, whether we're talking about ancient Rome or we're talking about now, there is absolutely no time when the government is not the minority. The every country, every land has a numerical minority. I mean, I'm not talking about the hijacked word minority uh, that we use today about um, Asian, Black, Hispanic, South Pacific, whatever. I'm talking about minority, numerical minorities. Yeah, there is no, there is no government that does not rule over a mass. You know, there are maybe a couple thousand members of government in this whole country, and we have almost 350 million people. So, framing the whole idea of uh, a constitution protects minorities is kind of off. It's already a kind of crippling, destabling, off to a bad start idea because the government's the actual minority. And it kind of takes the power away from the people. So my first thought was, well, people don't tend to think we have a democracy. They tend to think we have a democracy, not a republic. My my second thought was the definition of republic is a constitution that protects minorities, which is wrong. Because it, it, it takes the power away from a people entirely. So that was kind of my my first thought and i thought that was pretty much enough of the boring stuff to to get out of the way uh, i thought that was the misleading propaganda of the day and yeah good point yeah well david you've even shared that video where it has all of the news heads the media heads talking and they keep saying this is a threat to our democracy and it's a hundred of them saying it and uh it's insane. When I was on city council, I would have people who tell me, you got to do what the majority of the people want. And I would always flip it depending on who I was talking to. If I was talking to a conservative, I could say, what if it's an abortion clinic? And then they say, uh, 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 you know, or if it's a liberal, you know, what if it's a anti-abortion clinic or whatever, you know, it's, they only want mob rule when it's in their favor, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And when they say they stand for the people, they mean the people that, that agree with them because you can see this in, in modern politics where um, we almost seen in the past two years a flop of uh, from conservatism to liberalism on very essential uh, fundamental issues. And would, yeah. would you ever have thought that the liberal, you know, democratic left wing, whatever you want to call them would be defending and shilling the big pharmaceutical industry. If you would have been heard that 10 years ago, you would have probably laughed and yeah. thought that no big business and big pharma is a conservative institution, big capitalism, the you know, the invisible hand of the market, the capitalistic God that the conservatives worship. There's no way that you know a Democrat's gonna, you know, go out and get a Fauci tattoo, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, you talk about that uh, Fauci for life. <laughs> I wasn't even That's meaning the tattoo to bring on up, the neck. Uh, wasn't even trying to bring up, you know, music into it. You know, I was just talking about Rome. But that's what I like in that song, 2A, is you, you point that out. And I just don't see other people framing it like that, you know, like drugs are bad, you know, weed now good. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's just what you're talking about right there. Yeah. So that was kind of the first thing I thought was the the, the idea that people think we have a democracy, the idea that um, not too many people are familiar with a republic, the idea that the way a republic is defined as kind of disempowering or disheartening. Yeah. And then I kind of started to, like I said, that was all the uninteresting parts. The, the things I started to look at after that was how 
something that we revere as, you know, when we think of ancient Rome, we think of integrity and honor and legacy and all these things. Yeah. But I like to think of how things parallel with today with the same way they were did back then. And there are a lot of really strange parallels, uh, the way the Roman army used to invade and overthrow all the different places, Northern Africa, where we're there or coming there soon. Um, Egypt, obviously, um, and all these countries, Spain, and they put these client kings in, which we would just call it today a kind of sponsored coup. And um, and they would have these these client king rulers who kind of followed the lead of the Roman Empire. And I thought, yeah, that sounds like something, you know, that's going on today. So I, I try to think of these types of examples. You know, the old saying, all roads lead to Rome. And that was all roads full of treasure, yeah. art, slaves, everything taken by military conquest and all loads, all roads led to Rome because that's where everything was being taken and all roads lead to Rome. Sounds like America today. We have an influx and a flooding of the country and all roads really do lead here. Even if you're not, you know, on the actual road, if you think about the, uh, the Silicon road, all conversations are centered around this country and everyone is uh kind of wavering following behind and i thought that was another pretty cool commonality that there's a promised dream um that inspires a lot of war uh right now in eastern europe there's a promised dream yeah. all you hear on the news is will ukraine join nato and all these other things there's a you know we have a european union we have this old North American treaty that is completely outdated that for some reasons is still ruling the world and people are falling in lockstep for it over this idea of the American dream. I thought that was pretty strange. When you go to, when you're traveling the world, uh, what, what's your sense? Do you have a sense that it feels like all roads lead to America? Is that how people take? Cause I've started to feel like maybe people in other countries actually resent us quite a bit. Uh, do you feel like that or? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, luckily, I don't have that entire perspective because I go to really poor places. I so that, that's true uh, in Europe. Yeah. So Nietzsche had this great quote that says uh, Darwin was complete. Uh, it's not exact, but Darwin was completely correct. Dot, dot, dot about life in Europe and her life in England. And it's just, a, it's just a hilarious quote. That's how I feel about that statement. <laughs> Everyone has their ridicule, their hatred, their disdain for Americans. Yeah. yeah. In I, I Europe, uh, try to go to Africa or try to go to a slum in Calcutta, try to go to Cairo or try to go to um, somewhere in the, you know, go to the Congolese people or in Western Africa or in uh, I'm positive. If you go to half to half of Southeast Asia, you're not going to hear that type of um, rhetoric. You know what I mean? Really? really? No. <laughs> Are you kidding me? They mix water with dirt and eat and call it mud cakes. They, they do. 
No one is going to be upset about American values when they're eating mud in Haiti. Have you been to Rome, by the way? No, actually, no. I, I had a planned a trip to go there, and then the big C-19 happened. Okay. Yeah, ruined a lot of things. And what you were studying, comparing it to America, trying to think of where to go with it, you know, what about the personalities involved? Um, I don't, you know, I've read a little bit on Julius Caesar. I don't know how much you know about him. Was he a threat to the Republic? Is that what the problem was? They didn't want a tyrant. They were trying to preserve, you know, the Republic. Uh, what do you, what yeah, are you that, that? Well, he, after he defeated Gaul, he brought in the Gauls and he was filling the Senate with people that weren't even from Rome. I mean, that was one oh, of the really? reasons. Yeah. I, and they were like, they're, uh, you know, it's like the same thing the Democrats do. Well, where they try to, where they, try they to bring, bring in, in like, yeah, they yeah. bring in, they're like, come on over. And then we're like, what, what's happening? The, yeah, they need votes. So that's what Julius Caesar was doing. The I replacement theory. But it makes, I mean, all the replacement theory is, is I need, I need people in my area who are more likely to do what I want, you know, who are going to vote for the things I want them to vote for. So therefore I need to get these people in my area. <laughs> right. That's pretty much what it is. Yeah. So basically Julius Caesar was the original. Yeah, I think a lot of people, uh, there's a bunch of debate because all intellectuals do is debate. But uh, I think it's fair to say that the fall of Rome happened as a result of Julius Caesar. I don't think that's too crazy or too strange to say. The Republic was uh, being played with, um, if you want to talk about modern parallels, in uh, the election before Caesar, I believe it was, it could have been. Um, or just around the area, there was a lot of, this is again, what I was trying to focus on for, for modern day uh, topics was election fraud. Surprisingly enough, there was great election fraud in ancient Rome. There was a lot of crony capitalism. Um, there were two main sides to the ancient Roman government. And there was a lot of lobbying, a lot of bribery, a lot of what we would call gerrymandering. These concepts were all commonplace. And the big business and the ultra rich uh, received bailouts from the government. There was election denial. There was election fraud. There was, um, I believe it was around 60. Um, that's where most people say that Rome, the empire began to kind of fall away and plenty of people just like today there are plenty of people were were glad to put rome in the hands of caesar uh, as a dictator there there were many people upset when caesar died it was not something where caesar ruled with an iron fist you know 50 percent of the population wanted to be ruled just like they do today and that's another commonality Yes. Yeah, and he would he would come back from you know, or he wouldn't even come back from battle, but he would after he did a conquering, he would just send, you know, people back to throw the spoils to him. Unbelievable so, amounts of wealth. Yeah. He, the, the we talk about them as if they were just, uh, you know, plebs running around in robes. They had money we do not even have today. They these people that we we know of have had have money of something like a sultan or an oil. You know, people like Bill Gates and Elon Musk, they don't have the type of money that the people we're talking about have today. You know, for example, um, I think it was 
was it Crassus or was it Caius? I, I can't, I can't remember, but these people had fortunes of, you know, upwards of 50, what would be today, $50 billion. You know, they talk of hundreds of thousands of sesters or a thousand talents. Um, a thousand talents was a, a common debt that the Caesar had. This was billions of dollars. And this was a common debt he carried around. So the way we think about things today, it, like very self-centered and egotistical, they had this same thing going on back then. The One of the greatest generals, I believe, in, in the time of Caesar was Crassus, and he was the richest Roman. And when Caesar was running for office, uh, they were buying votes left and right. And it was a business of buying votes. Uh, we don't admit that it's a business of buying votes today, but we just call it lobbying and stuff like that. But um, they turned existing businesses into buying facilities and they had intermediaries and they had people who held money until the votes were actually delivered. They didn't have computers, obviously. They weren't running the Dominion, but this was all very public and it wasn't scandalous. Here the great, great, you know, you know from, from the, um, when, when Jesus, Jesus was born, that dude, that dude, he paid... paid he paid, he paid Rome, Rome to, to be put in put charge, charge of, uh, uh, of, of Jerusalem, Jerusalem of Israel. Israel. To basically yeah, be the be king of it. It's like, so hey, yeah, he's money. money he, had he had tremendous amounts of wealth, too. too. Yeah. yeah. Like, all, right, all right, cool. And power, uh, military power as well. If You know, if you, you can be a rich state, but if you have a weak military, you're just going to get, and the same thing is true today, right? You're just going to get overlorded by us or China. Or, you know, another country, there's a reason why the Chinese have essentially an army around the Congo while children crawl into the earth, digging out lithium and cobalt with their bare hands with children on their back um, to sell, to make their chips what we're talking on right now what the phone calls that we make the yeah. things we use to record um and america did the same thing we we pulled out or they say we pulled our mine out of out of the congo but i don't really know it must be just under a different name but it's the same thing uh countries need protecting and they employed the power of the roman military back in the day because they could protect you just like a certain country right now employs our budget and our military weapons to protect them yeah what country is that he's talking about ukraine oh yeah <laughs> i know i just wanted to be said that went over. <laughs> yeah that may have went over a couple people's heads but dude yeah. when i was when i really got into ancient realm and was reading about it and watching stuff about it um, it was fast. What was fascinating to me and kind of just um, I thought about was that Julius Caesar, you know, he I mean, he built up his army. He got everyone loyal. He came in and then he basically then he just declared himself a god. Yeah. And then after him, you know, Caesar Augustus, he he, he referred to himself as the son of God. And so it was like a mingling of politics and religion and it's just fascinating because i was like well man what if like 
you know, the Antichrist, it, like dress rehearsals. Like throughout time, he's tried to take over Julius Caesar, oh, yeah. Hitler, stuff like that. And yeah. then, then right in the middle of like, you know, the son of God, who is, um, was, was the first Roman emperor actually yeah. declared, then Jesus is born. Like there's like, boom. And then it screws up, screws up everything. Yeah. That's, that's and, uh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of, it's just the whole, the whole, that whole time period is so incredibly fascinating because there's so many major characters that lived in that time period. It's, it's nuts to think about. Like if you really, once you start reading it all like Cleopatra, Mark Antony, like all these people yeah. that you've, that are notorious, they all lived around like their lives overlapped each other. Yeah, Seneca, Nero, uh, yeah. Marcus Aurelius. That's what makes Seneca like such an uh, interesting philosopher, for instance, because he had to live that worldview because he was supposedly, and David uh, or, or Austin, either one of you can check me if I'm wrong on this, but my understanding is that when Nero took over, it was actually relatively, uh, um, it, it was relatively uh, good for the first few years because Seneca was actually running Rome. But uh, and Nero was basically in the background partying and just being a degenerate. And it wasn't until his friends kind of gassed him up and said, you should be making these decisions, not him. That's when things kind of changed. Um, have you guys ever heard that before? Or? I have not. I haven't heard that exactly. But my thinking about that, just to parallel it with modern day, is a great empire takes a long time to fall. It doesn't fall overnight. So I would say that that could probably be true either way you cut it, you know, whether his friends were there or not, he couldn't have destroyed Rome overnight anyway. And he didn't, yeah. he, people say that just like people say that the, the coming of the Caesar of the, of Julius is the beginning of the unraveling or the fall of Rome. People actually credit Nero with destroying Rome and yeah. I think as as Rome, you know, this is just uh you know, just another theory that I thought about when when reading is you know, as it was like beginning to fall. Yeah. And everything was falling apart. It's like, all right, how do you get control? Maybe they were thinking. And then Constantine comes along and adopts Christianity as the religion of of the state of Rome. Yeah. And um so then you have the mingling what Julius Caesar started of, you know, church and state. And it's almost as if like people, like they knew, you know, cause I think like, like emperors and people that really run the world, they don't just think about what's, what they want to accomplish in their lifetime. They're thinking about, you know, for generations yeah. upon generations. So it's almost like they rolled the uh, Roman empire into the Roman Catholic church and Rome is still very much of alive. And then they took over the entire world with churches. You know, we have like citizens of Rome everywhere. I live in a town of 50 people. There is a Catholic church dead center of my town that I don't even know who goes there. I mean, there's people there sometimes, but it's just like in my town, it's abandoned. There's no downtown. There is nothing yeah. but a Catholic church. And then... Nine miles away, another one. Nine miles away, another one. But it's like that all over the world. Yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah. Um, well, it's a humongous business, but a lot of that goes back to 
this is getting off topic a little bit, but I believe it was Mary there, you know, there's a, just cause I'm a fan of the non-canonical books, you know, Mary was Jesus' best disciple and she was the one that had the plug basically into women. And she was the one doing the, you know, the spreading of the messages. And um, I think it was Paul who was really jealous of Mary and they did this by invading households, but women kind of held the household together in, in those days. And if you had the women, you kind of had the ear of of the masses. Um, it was much like It's like, like today. that with Molly Crew. They said that that's how they popped off in L.A. was they had all the chicks first and then the dudes showed up. But whatever the women do, the dudes follow. And this was uh, this was a big Christianic trick. Um it's no coincidence that the biggest rock star around this historical period was Dionysus. And it's not strange that Dionysus has long androgynous brown hair. It's not strange that he's the wine God and Christ's first miracle is turning water to wine. It's not strange that all these things align with, with the Christ. And, um, you know, the women around this time seem to be comfortable with taking their 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 belief of, of Dionysus and, and uh, kind of setting the Jesus figure right on top of it, and it propagated the church. The church, uh, aside from war, you know, crusades and and things, it did the best PR campaign you could probably you could probably do. A lot of people say, you know. The Christian idea is the best idea. That's why it survived. But it's it survived under the knife. It it didn't survive through happenstance. It the world didn't get hit with a deluge and then the, the Bible emerged. It survived by force and by a lot of money. I've been to these places like um the Temple of Demeter. Um, it's completely defaced, and then they throw a cross up. I've joked about it in the past that the uh, the Christian gang was just throwing their setup everywhere, all over Rome, all over Greece. Um, they go, they go in, they they take the temple, they hijack it, and they they put up the uh, the cross, and now it's a it's a Christian and the establishment or church or center for for worship. But we all know it was an an Astra temple or a Demeter or or an Osiris or uh, thousands of years before that. But yeah, yeah, that was, that was getting a little bit off topic, but no, it's all right. That would actually be an interesting discussion too. Cause I've been reading um, kind of contrarian history towards the crusades of making it of kind of flipping it. Cause in the public schools, it's more about saying that it was all a Christian offensive. And so it's, I enjoy, you know, reading the other side to that of of kind of what sparked it and stuff. That would be a good conversation. Man, I, I've I've read a book about how the Knights uh, Templar uh, was basically. I mean, they were they were setting up the first bank. You know, they worked for the Vatican, and they would. I mean, they brought money in there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, like like when countries were about to fall, you would call them. They would come and take your money to the Vatican bank where it would be safe. And so, also it would be usable um, from town to town. So if you have raiders and marauders in separate cities around the world, uh, this was almost the first digital currency, I guess. 
the yeah. knights when you when you banked with the knights you could use your currency because it was backed um from town to town without carrying it so you're not carrying a wagon or a, whatever it might be you might be carrying it on your person you might be carrying your gold or whatever your pieces might be from town to town with the knights their big thing was this is backed and this exists here and uh our your money with us is good in, from city to city from state to state wh whatever you want to do and again that's a that's a little bit off topic but yeah my my main point was just the pr campaign that that it does um take the crusades out and take the violence out it's the same with you know you see this uh today in in the christian church it's it's a bit maddening uh it accepts everything and stands for nothing there it's willing to it's so desperate for for members followers it will do any it'll it'll almost go against its own beliefs just to get more people in and the dalai lama does this too the dalai lama will will never have a, a single problem with anyone the way that anyone is living or the way thing that anyone's doing even if it goes um exact opposite against everything that he teaches in his religion the catholic church does this too yeah. so yeah he'll be like how do i know i just live in a cave on a yeah. mountain i just read a book called the masculinity of christ and when i read it it made my chest hair grow but it was kind of awesome because it pointed out how uh like with what david said i don't consider those churches like if you go like if if you are a quote-unquote church but you preach against the bible to me that's you know that's no church but um, but yeah, like you said, David, there's people who just want that relevance. And so to, to reel us back into Rome here for a second, um, thinking about the parallels maybe between America and Rome, um, one thing that I've, that's been maybe a bit of a theory of mine, but it seems like in general when empires collapse, but especially with Rome, there was this hyper fixation on sex. And I think it's weird how people have like, they put their identity in their in their sexual orientation, whatever that may be. Like, I I used to say like, you know, I wouldn't walk around and be like, "What's up? I'm Maddie Ice, the milf hunter." Like, I wouldn't identify myself by like what I'm attracted to sexually. You know what I mean? And so I feel like it's it's Rome was the same thing. It just seems like the artwork, everything was hypersexualized. I, I there's those. Yeah, no matter of, no matter what they drew, they're like, let's put a penis on it. Yeah, like wind chimes, all that stuff. Uh, wind chimes yeah. were shaped as penises. Yeah, and the little bell was in the bottom of the head. <laughs> they jiggled. Well, there were um, a few, even in ancient times, a few dandies. I guess you would call them. And this is kind of funny because they were kind of like the punk rockers. It it's strange to read. And it, it goes right back to the thing that we've been talking about since the beginning. These guys dressed funny. They talked funny. Uh, they were often rich and aristocrat type of cast. You know, they were, they were very well off. But um, there's a funny quote. I think it's by, I think it's by um, Plutarch. And he says that a man named Claudius, Claudius is a, as a, what we would call trans today so he's a cross dresser he's a party animal he's doing everything and he said uh claudius was very highfalutin this is not a quote but but he had the tongue of the plebes so he he talked almost like you could imagine someone talking urban slang uh rich you know rich white kids from the lower east side talking 
um, or, or LA or what, whatever you might have, you know, middle upper class or upper class trying to be cool with the hip hop culture. This was Claudius. And he was, he was into the cross dressing. He was into the party and, and he was doing all these things. And this was, this was still around the time of this uh, Julius and 100 to BC 60, 70, I think it was 80 around then, but there were punk rockers then. And they, they were reformers. They were kind of like reformers, always trying to do the thing, pretty much the same things that were they tried to do today. Um, this is where kind of where we get the term rabble rousing. Uh, it has an origin here. And one thing for sure about going back to the masculinity of Christ and making your chest hair grow. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, an opposition, though, um, of manliness in Rome. The these Claudius figures, they didn't like. Um, they thought it was an invasion of Greece. They thought uh, this is feminine. Um, this is sophistry. This is talk and intellect. This is um, plays, actors, celebrities, scholars. Think of Hollywood or L.A. today. Yeah, uh, they had these same problems, scholarly education. They thought this was corrupting the Roman man and the Roman people in the Roman ways as they saw them. They saw it as a hoity-toity, feminine, full of themselves, very much like we we know people feel today about a, you know certain industries, say like Hollywood or something like this. And imagine a military man and, you know, know, sitting side by side with a theater actor in the LGB or whatever community. This is kind of was a was a standoff in Rome, even even in B.C. They had these same issues. So if that makes you feel any better, this isn't new or strange. And Rome did not fall for hundreds more years. Again, I. I use this as a serious, like, um, so do you think it became like, they were just so comfortable that when the, when you're, when you have that much wealth, you can just, you just essentially look for pleasure after pleasure. Is that where that comes from? Yeah. I think today and back then. Yeah. These were all very rich people. The, the, the people out here, you know, fighting the good fight, uh, the social justice front, um, they're not really going to work in the coal mines. Uh, yeah. They have a little spare time. A lot of them go to Starbucks and uh, get $7 drinks. And uh, they probably spend a lot of time at home on on the computer or on Twitter or on their phone. They probably don't like their husbands. But um, you got to have time to do this stuff. Uh, it, when you're working, like I said, when when you asked about the disdain for Americans, and I said, I don't find it in Africa. This is a very big first world problem and and rome was a very 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 rich empire by the time nero came around and nero and inhabited inherited all of these spoils that he didn't necessarily earn yeah yeah that's why he was like burn it light it on fire let me watch it and play the fiddle exactly it meant nothing to him because he didn't earn it and that's that is how things used to be in the in the the government and in the roman army you used to not be able to fight unless you owned a farm or better 
you had to, the army was made of landowners or better. The army wasn't made of the poor. Yeah. And, um, and with this generals built up their own armies and when generals built up their own armies, civil war started yeah. and that's when the Republic began to crumble. But the difference is, um, these days landowners aren't the ones that make up our military. You used to have to have something to come home to or something to be fighting for was the idea. Yeah. And very. Yeah. Now they're after, fighting for apartments. Right. Exactly. You had to have something to defend and you had to have something to get back to. So you were not going to, you know, be dilly dallying about on the battlefield when you had something to lose. And the it's, it's a bit, it's a bit different today. Now um, the, the land and everything has kind of went upward and it's often the poor that make up the militaries. So that's a, a little bit different, but they were fighting these battles even back then. Um, there was a, a dispute of, of reformers and stuff trying to say, well, you can come fight for me or like when Caesar defeated the Gauls, you know, Caesar was notoriously, what would that be called? Not empathetic, but he forgave a lot of people. Yeah. He, was not a, he was not after blood lusting. He revenge, his revenge was to forgive you. Yeah, and then he would bring you, he would want you to come back into the fold. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how Brutus, you know, you got, he ran, he brought him back in, and then, and then he stabbed him. <laughs> do we Bad have, call. Bad is, call, Julia. Is there an, people do this all the time, Julius. and it's a little bit corny, but is there an American figure that we could look at as a modern day Julius Caesar? Or is there anybody who strikes you as having similar parallels or no? I used to hear people all the time say Obama was Nero. You know, like people have always said. No, like because that. Obama wasn't walking through the White House garden with human torches. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of uh, that's kind of what people respond to. If you say the modern day version of stuff, you can always point to some fickle little detail that'll kind of make everyone shrug it off. I would yeah. I wouldn't say Obama was the the Nero. Um, I think. If you're talking about Nero, someone that did horrible damage to the the Republic. I was going to say George Bush. I was going to say Kissinger. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kissinger, who, my gosh, has anyone wrote more material about their own lives than that man? He has like 15 books. They're like this thick. Yeah. And they're just him talking about himself. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah, that's that's pathetic. I believe Obama has multiple. He does. But the, the Kissinger selection I, I was just baffled when i was at the bookstore once and i'm like and i'm flipping through it i'm like this is insane yeah. i want to get to the kissinger's thing but to, the reason why i said george bush real quick was because um the whole iraq war has pissed off a lot of people and it's weird how many people have looked back and were like man i was a supporter of that but now when i look back i don't and i think there's something to be said about what all that did to destabilizing all of the other countries and ours in general but um but yeah, so so why did you choose Kissinger? Yeah, we gotta why Kissinger? Because I got real, I got real riled up. <laughs> There's a couple things. He's you know, besides, I don't know about this is this could be a whole separate conversation. We might want to table, but he's done more to destroy the country than almost anyone. Give us like a, 
a teaser cliffhanger, <laughs> and then when we we'll have you back on, and then we'll cover we'll we'll talk about that. Austin hates Kissinger. He saw I had some Kissinger books, and he was ready to fight that Rip. guy right there. I really just uh, want to leave you hanging and say we need to talk about it entirely separately because I'll fly off the handle. All right, sweet. <laughs> this is what I like. We'll be we'll be fly. We'll take turns. I want to keep it um, in a little bit focused because you said is there anyone like the caesar and i would say no uh there there isn't alive because you can't be um there's so much compartmentalized um like i said politicians are career politicians uh generals or military people to get to a general especially yeah. one like like that you're going to be a career military person yeah. um so this was this was a lot different. He would, he would be a general out there warring, uh, come back and run for office and be elected. You can say that there are similar things like that these days, but there's really nothing to, to this, this kind of degree. But I, I will say something I was thinking about when I was thinking of the modern parallels, um, was that speaking of the Caesar, he, you know, he was thrown into a river and most leaders, he was, he was highly polarizing and whichever way you look at him. And he still is today. And I can think of a few people today that are highly polarizing and um, most of them went peacefully into their grave, but on occasion they were so controversial that a burial was not even to be had for them. Um, and they wouldn't put him in the ground because if they did bury him, they would just come back later and have to rob the grave and destroy it and make sure there was no place for followers to gather, no place to sacrifice, no place to worship over, no place for people to pilgrim, to like pilgrimage to. And instead they, they throw him in the river and just to segue to some of the stuff that you were talking to me, they did the same with Hitler. You know, the Soviets had Hitler's body, and I believe they convened with a few different countries, and I cannot believe that ours wasn't one of them that said, you need to get rid of that thing. Yeah, it, they probably taxidermied it, and it's in Kissinger's family room. It's probably it's probably in Kissinger's bed, but <laughs> you know, they did the same thing with Alexander. Alexander's body uh, supposedly came up missing, and, and, and they'll probably do the same with some of the world leaders today without you know saying their names but the the point is that you you see this same thing today it's almost like a cancellation what we call canceling today right so even back then they were ca canceling people and and the, today we tear down statues of our past leaders or we deface monuments right uh people that don't fall in favor of the things that we believe today when we look into the past with our modern moral lens but there was a leader back then called Sulla and Sulla was maybe the, he was one of the greatest generals and he was the first one. I believe that I recall anyway, to say, when I die, I want to be cremated. So none of my bones, my skull, my head won't be on a pike. My bones are not going to be used by revenge for my enemies. Uh, you're not going to use my dead body to make a statement for any other purpose, but my own. And even after I die, I'm going to be dead and that's going to be it. And yeah. I feel like that just rings so true with today's 
kind of nihilistic, atheistic day and age where we're not too obsessed with legacy. Legacy is kind of shunned and reputation is embraced and worshipped. And it could be a subconscious thing, but it's interesting to think about the atheistic cremation idea. And to me, I call it an atheistic cremation idea because you're burning. And it, it could be a consequence of some type of subconscious poorly lived life or uh, an accumulation of enemies or a lack of accountability or even just a pessimistic nihilistic lack of le legacy. You know, I'm, I'm kind of just making it up as I go. But when you think about defaming and arresting and persecuting officials after they leave office, they did that too. So even if you weren't dead, you know, they, if you did, if you did die and you were controversial, they made sure your followers had no way to remember you. And that today sounds like, you know, the cancellation yeah. or the real time edit of Wikipedia, or when, when you read things, this misinformation, disinformation or whatever, they're writing historical things in real time. And back then, if you participate in government, one thing about Rome that is not the same as it is today, although they do make exceptions and they're making an exception right now with the Mueller investigation, the Durham investigation, and now some indictments on, on Trump. Yeah. This is a parallel that made me think of ancient Rome because you couldn't persecute, uh, you couldn't kill, you couldn't sue members of government when they were actively in government. And this meant that a lot of Romans tried to stay in government for as long as possible because when they got out, they would be slapped with a bunch of lawsuits or killed. Wow. So they would serve as, as many times as they could. They would serve and, um, today, because the second they were out of office, they were going to be charged or imprisoned or killed or whatever. But today, and now in real time, there's a government trying to charge a president that hasn't been president in three years, uh, seven years of fruitless investigation based on vendettas. Millions of our dollars spent. We're spending millions of dollars doing investigation after investigation, and nothing seems to come of it. And that kind of reminded me of, of that with with the cancellation, with the reputation destroying, tearing down of statues, defacing monuments, uh, banned images, even Julius Caesar banned. Um, I think Marius, uh, maybe Cinna. I think Julius banned, had some banned images of, of past leaser, leaders. Um, and yeah, yeah, no, that's fascinating. Still weird and it's still going on. Yeah. yeah, and the precedents that get set with this, it's like speaking of modern times, you know, they censored Adam Schiff and then they were going to fine him. And it's like, look, like David had said, yeah, we've spent millions of dollars on there, but I don't really want to set a precedent where now we can make these, you know, where you can sue your political rivals and make them pay up like that. Like in one hand, I do like it, but trust me, the pendulum, you always have to think, you know, whatever your political side is, if whatever you use against the opponent, the opponent's coming back and doing it to you. Same right. thing in jujitsu. Yeah, you night, opened that door in jujitsu last night while I was sparring. Uh, they said, yeah, you can punch somebody, but however hard you punch, you need to be ready to get punched that hard back. Right. <laughs> you know, so same thing in, in the, the political sense. And speaking of, you know, like Nero, Nero had um, Seneca killed. Like Seneca was out in the countryside, had nothing to do with government anymore. He was out of the way and he knew that one day his time would come and sure enough they uh soldiers showed up and 
Yeah. But, but it, Seneca went out on his own terms, though. Yes. Yep. Not like a man laying in a bathtub, slashing his wrists open and laying there without a single wince. Yep. Yeah. yeah. He knew it was coming. He was, he reflected on that for a long time. It sounded like, you know, he knew it was coming. He knew what time it was. He knew it when he took up the, uh, uh the position of, um, yeah. of school of what was his position to, to, to Nero. Counting, uh, yes. Whatever, uh, uh mentor. mentor something. Yeah. They called it something else, but I can't remember. So, um, if you, if you want to draw more parallels to ancient Roman America, you can, but we had mentioned Hitler a couple of minutes ago. And that, that was one of the things that Austin has found to be interesting is the parallels between Nazi Germany and ancient Rome in the sense that, uh, Nazi Germany using some of ancient Rome's symbols and stuff like that. I guess that's not something I ever noticed. So I have really no wisdom or knowledge in this. So I was going to kind of let Austin talk on that. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just noticed that, uh, you know, and it came from watching the, the Rome series on HBO, which I, which I think is fantastic. And when Julius Caesar basically returns and then presents himself to the people as like a God. Yeah. And just, just with all the, the Eagles, the red, um, just a lot of symbolism, was the same and and just the way that how it was everywhere you know like the flags and I see. the um yeah, yeah i mean i mean you couldn't walk a block without without a symbol hmm. of some sort yeah the pillars the all the the greek and roman or the greco-roman or whatever you want to call it um yeah i've actually been to i can't of course i can't remember because we're talking about it but <laughs> started to build a, a pretty massive airport that never got finished and uh or maybe it was finished and they just kind of discontinued the use but yeah you could definitely see his inspiration the the thing that i was thinking about with hitler was in ancient rome they you probably seen this in the special every famous by famous i mean acclaimed general uh sought uh, a triumph what they used to call a triumph which was a great parade yeah yeah they all wanted the parade for the most revered people and whenever i thought of the triumph i thought of hitler was obsessed with them if yeah. you look um all you hear is about uh you know how hitler could stand poised in the back of a car doing a salute for six hours while they drove the car you know 150 miles around yeah he's just peeing his pants because he just needs the love because <laughs> he needs to feel warm yeah. and he would he was obsessed with these what what the romans called triumphs and um it was it reminded me of rome uh the generals uh there was a one called pompey and yeah. pompey was one of these humongous characters in Rome. He, the kings of Egypt were his clients. Uh, he discovered 40 cities, killed and captured and defeated over 12 million people, right? Hitler said to have killed 6 million Jews. This guy doubled it, took over 1,500 towns or cities or settlements. Um, 
we can't even take one city today. You know, the the minute we leave, uh, it gets taken back. Put this in perspective. This guy was uh, the general of generals and his wealth uh, is equivalent to the hundreds of billions. This guy had hundreds of billions of dollars and his triumph was two days long. And this was a two day long parade. And again, looking into history and looking now, I think of today's parades and the reasons we have parades. And they seem kind of pitiful, don't they? I hate parades. They're so it's so hot. And they're just throwing like melted candy at you. It's always the shitty candy. And now they too. don't even let you throw like around here, like at parades, you can't even throw it because it might injure a, a child. See? So they just so they have to walk and just lay it on the concrete. I don't know. And I'm like, what are going to? Like, I have not been to a parade there. in Wahoo. I didn't notice. I've not yeah. seen that. That's hilarious. That is <laughs> that is real. And then the whole fire department's there. Like if a house burns down, you're done, dude. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so that that was the one thing that came to mind uh, was the the obsession with parades and these public events uh, that the Roman triumph kind of parallel with with Hitler. Yeah. That was my main thinking about about all that that came to mind because there is a lot of imagery and, and things. And he was a fan of, of a bunch of things, but I, I tend to not put too much weight into I'm trying to think how to put this when someone has uh, every resource in the world at their disposal. And the, you talk about the, the building of uh, an airport or a base or Nuremberg or whatever you might want to say, if all of it boils down to just saying a few sentences, I tend not to place too much emphasis on how obsessed or he was with that, those ideas, you know, it's clear that he was obsessed with them. He hijacked the swastika. He hijacked a, a bunch of symbolism. You know, I, I don't know what the first, uh, first appearance of the swastika is. I would guess that it was in Asia somewhere. I had read a book about it once and it, it was all over the world. And I think that at uh, like it's even like the way that the constellations go. Yeah, there's the a Catholic church something. who has the swastika in uh, one in a town that we're by. Um, I don't yeah. know if it's the same if it's facing the same way, but it was like a, it is. I think a rel- oh it is it's yeah. a relatively it was a relatively common symbol. In in Hitler was an artist, so you know he was probably with him and his like his like a board meeting. And then he was like, I like this. I like, let's use the swastika. Let's use the eagle. You know, like he was like picking like true, like artists. We all we take and pick stuff from everything. And that's what Hitler was doing. He probably had like a whiteboard. Yeah, I don't think he was probably he, he was then they, able to recognize what looked dope. And yeah, was able to go with that. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's like, just trying it's to like, let me that. let me kill my street. Used to always collect Nazi stuff. And they're like, well, you, you Nazi? And he's like, no, man, it just looks cool. And it's like, hey, we have to be out like the, the color schemes and stuff like that. Like he did have amazing, amazing artists on his team. You know, go ahead, David. You're going to say something. Um, yeah, I was I was just going to say it's it's strange how. You can hijack an image, but I feel like that might be a whole separate conversation in itself as well. Because I find that just to leave you with a cliffhanger, you know, today, if you search the word Venus, you come up with a female clothing line. Every car is named after a, you know, a Greek God. 
<laughs> and Rome took their their gods from Greece. Yeah, so it's a bit depressing, you know, when you're driving around with a shitty car called a Mazda and you know that it's the man in the sun, the Ahira Mazda from the Zoroastrianism, like you kind of get a put off a bit. And I don't even know, like there probably aren't very many people that realize that Nike is also uh, a god, a Roman god, yeah. a Greek god. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I know it's Greek or Roman or whatever. Greek, and then the Romans were like, "We'll we'll take that one." Yeah, it, that that type of stuff is is strange, but it it's really weird when you know you're you're searching for these things on the all knowing Google and you're getting car dealers and women's clothing and stuff. And you're, you're yeah. searching for either a Roman goddess or you're searching, you know, they even name planets after these things. So you, you just, yeah. it's just weird. It is weird. Yeah. Kind of like how black metal is taking the cross upside down and they think it's like this really awesome anti-Christian thing, but upside down crosses were a symbol in Christianity for years because there was plenty of saints who were uh, crucified. Like yeah. That. Like Peter. Yeah. Yeah. More uh, so than uh, upright, actually. Yeah. Kind of speaking along the lines of symbolism, Austin and I were talking on the phone a few weeks ago, and he was saying, he, he had asked me if I've ever really looked into how, you know, maybe in like Rome, if they needed to make a decision and they went outside and they saw a fox or something, it was, it like meant something to them, like, oh, I know which way to make this decision now. Like how, how much stock they put in to symbolism and symbolism and omens and omen yeah omens um i don't really know a whole lot about i guess roman omens so i was gonna leave that up to austin to kind of talk about that and i figured that david would definitely have you know some ideas or thoughts on that too. i mean i just i i just read about it yeah how they would like if they needed to make a decision or something they would go out into nature for a couple days or however long and then see like an eagle fly and they'd be like uh i would you know, I will do something. <laughs> I don't know. Like they just went out, like whatever it told them to do. I don't know. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. The, they, they seem to be a lot more in tune with nature. Obviously you have to be right when you don't have a screen flashing in your face all day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can't, you can't watch uh motivational uh, videos on how to become rich <laughs> in ancient Rome. So they had to go outside and go look for the snake. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that it made me think of again, uh, I have had a hundred things that came to mind, but I was kind of, I didn't want to spout off factoids just to repeat myself, but they used it in a funny way, just like we use it in a funny way today. I'll just give a, the funny thing that came to mind was, um, I believe it was Krakus. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Many leaders did this. They, there would be a, say, a, a lightning strike. Um, there had to be a democratic election debate, whatever it might be. If if lightning strike, if the wind blew too hard, if the rain blowed, if the if, the, if it rained or the wind blowed or whatever it might be, uh, leaders would use this as an excuse that it's a bad omen and we can't hold an election on today. And they would use it to stay into power uh, oh. for years. So these, these bad omens would keep uh, 
power-hungry leaders to stay in power and not even into power, but into into government. Like we talked earlier about how they didn't want to come out of government because they'd be harmed if they did something wrong. And I thought of what it made me think of, just hilarious, another modern day take, is a bad omen that changed something that we were going to do politically recently was I was reading about how Joe Biden decided not to declassify the JFK files because of COVID-19. What? Oh, what? yeah. What does that have to do with it? It's a real ancient Roman omen. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. He saw the omens, uh, Matt, you have to, you have to recognize that he saw the omens. And then, and then because he didn't do it, that's why it, it it went away. It had nothing to do with anything else. Yeah. It was that decision. And now it's gone. And yeah, it, I thought that was pretty funny. I know it doesn't have anything to do with the, the actual ask, but I, I was thinking Joe Biden maybe saw some omens when he, when he didn't release the JFK files now. Yeah. After. Joe Biden's seeing a lot of shit at that <laughs> age. I think he actually might speak in omens. That's why yeah. we mere plebs do not understand. You know, David was the first person I've ever heard who was like, Joe Biden does not have a speech impediment. He's old and he's got, you know, a problem with his brain. And I thought about it and I was like, yeah, I've never heard anybody ever say he had a speech impediment. I mean, who knows? Maybe there's documents from 30 years ago that I've never seen, oh. but of writings or anything. Bro, he's tired. He's <laughs> about to die. It's not even the White House. It's the White Hospice. Yeah, he's just in there. That's it. That's the inner the white hospice. That's like a really good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. They tried to push that kind of, but I don't think, you know, the mainstream media kind of threw it out there. Like, you know, he's always had a speech impediment, but oh, yeah. everyone know that was a lie and it was just some more propaganda uh, because it was the victim thing. You know, if you make if you make yourself look like you can't talk, who can really criticize your foreign wars or, you know, the fact that you. He pulled out of a 20-year war just to get into one more expensive one three months later. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking about this, um, David, when you're trying to make a decision, and I'm not trying to be funny right now, but this might come across as funny, but like, if you have you ever tried to to take that, like the ancient approach, like I'm going to just go outside and see if something speaks to me. Have you ever tried to tap into, and I'm talking specifically Rome here, any of that ancient idea or wisdom? Yeah. Well, that's the only way I operate. I do a bunch of things. Um, typically, uh, for the most part, I have a pretty intuitive uh, and, and, you know, here's a great phrase for you, an intuitive intuition. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> um, I typically get impulses that I follow. I don't do a lot of second guessing and I don't do a, a lot of of that but i do do a lot of contemplating and um inward nothing nothing profound you know meditation inward reflection perceived yeah. bodily rhythms paying attention to the world around me introspection outrospection um some sort of con consulting you know uh that i do in dreams and and stuff like that there's a handful of Perhaps that's again for a different a different time, but I have a handful of, of really good books. Not to recommend books like they're the answer because they they aren't. But um, one one comes to mind called the Committee of Sleep. I think it's called the Committee of Sleep or the Committee of Dreams. And this isn't even the best one, but 
um, I work on, try to work on things in my dreams a lot uh, while I sleep. I, I don't tend to do well with deadlines, which is why I'm in the world's shittiest band. I don't tend to, I tend to just be on my own. You know, if someone tells me, you know, I need to have something by a certain time. Uh, if I do have it by the time, it wasn't because they told me so. It was just. It just happened. I try to be in nature as much as possible, which is why I'm I have a failure on social media. I try to I try to pay attention to the world, although my primary impulse is that the world is something tells me when the Romans or the Greeks or even any civilization, the Egyptian or even before before that, yeah, paying attention to nature and, and the world. There wasn't so much noise. Yeah, man, it hits you up. Like I had to get rid of all the, like just uh, LinkedIn, the social media, all off my phone because I can't get that many notifications. I just can't. It's like a note, like I'm receiving messages like 12 different ways. And it's just like, I need it all like an email, man. I got text, yeah. phone calls, you know, messenger, Instagram, all this stuff. It's, it's, it's madness. Yeah. Or alerts, you know, you're, you, you said you're receiving messages. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. The notification yeah. pop up. Yeah. Yeah. For nothing. Uh, they just tell you that something else happened. This could be another conversation that we might want to talk about. Um, Marshall McLuhan and, and uh, Neil Postman about pseudo events, but uh, yeah, I don't have any alerts on my uh, devices. I usually don't carry it. It can't summon me. The ringer's not on. Yeah. Uh, it has no way to summon me. So yeah, David's not the easiest person to text. <laughs> Sometimes if I don't reply for a few months, it just means uh, it's not time to talk. I, I admire that. It doesn't really do well in for other people's lives but it seems to do okay for mine that's what i want yeah, that, yeah. that's uh yeah that's that would be the goal honestly peace yeah 100 percent to not have access all the time david from the notes that you've taken and stuff like that i mean was, was there anything that that you wanted to get off your chest here too that you were thinking of while we're on the topic of ancient roman general or uh, i thought something was really funny um that I, that I wrote down because I didn't know it. And when I was uh, reading back through, I can't remember what I was reading. I think it was, it might've been Plutarch or in the lives. I can't remember exactly where, Yeah. but I, and this is just me. I didn't write too much about this, so I could be wrong and probably someone will just be talking about how it's way off, but there was a funny um, senator named Cato. Cato was, I think, the most respected uh, enemy, an enemy of Julius Caesar, the, maybe the most respected senator of, of Julius Caesar's time and super morally conservative. Um, he hated Egypt, uh, which m most Romans did. Uh, they conquered Egypt with. And it hurts my heart to say this, but. Egypt wasn't Egypt that we know of yeah. uh, around ancient Rome. And they were the, the, was it the Ptolemies? So this was not like Ramses and, and shit, you know, Egyptian stuff. This was, this was an, an enemy of Rome and 
around this time period. Um, this were these were not biblical Egyptians running around here. Uh, it's not what I'm talking about. This is where basically where Cleopatra's from, right? So Cleopatra, although she did speak Egyptian and the Egyptians did love her for it, she wasn't a pure, you know, an Egyptian woman. She, sorry to get the controversy out of the way, but um, there was this, this leader called Cato, and once he had to, a meeting with a Ptolemaic king, uh, king of Egypt. This is the king of Egypt. And he had such a disdain and disrespect for Egyptians because I, they were, remember earlier we were talking about um, disgusting, kind of immoral, uh, a lot of more fat, uh, cross-dressing, feminine, whatever. Uh, Cato was a traditional Roman conservative and the king of Egypt was seen as that. He was grossly overweight. They thought the Egyptians were disgusting. This, so this is what I'm saying when I when I say that these Egyptians were not the Egyptians we know and love. These were, you know, this was a couple thousand years after that. Anyway, he has a meeting with him and he has some business to do. Uh, so he, he tells the Egyptian king, come over here. And um, he walks in into his bathroom, what, what would be called the bathroom and as the Egyptian king, you know, settle in and he sits down to take a shit while having the meeting with the Ptolemaic king. That's incredible. That's incredible confidence. Yeah. He, not only was he the man, but he had such a, a disgust for e Egyptians. And this kind of got my antennas going and do you ever remember LBJ doing that? Yeah. He would invite the press into his bathroom and, and do interviews while taking shits. I did not know that. No, I didn't know that. LBJ is a freak. You could just, you could even type it in. LG, LBJ is taking a shit while talking to the press. I will Google that. I thought this was pretty funny because I wonder, I don't know, obviously no one, I, no one that I know knew him, knew the man. I wonder if he had a, that disdain for the press where he, or he was just fascinated by Rome that he said, you know what, come into my bathroom while I shit and I'll do this interview for you. And he gave the interview while shitting. I wonder if that was something he took from Cato. Yeah. I had a, I had a boss who did something like that once I, I was summoned to his office and there was all the top people in the company and he was yelling down the hall and uh, I could hear his belt rustling and stuff. And I was like, I think he's taking a shit right now while he yells out what he yeah. wants them to do. And I remember thinking like, this is the most, like not even to look at the world in like the alpha beta way, but I was like, that's the most alpha shit I've ever experienced in my life was, was that. So, <laughs> and trust me, this guy was not a scholar. I think I, maybe it's just the personality type of like, I know that it's gross well, when people shit, he, but he's not even, he can't even give himself five minutes of silence yeah. to take a dump. Like He's just got to be yeah. screaming things at all times. I thought that was pretty funny. I'm going to do that at some point. <laughs> I'm keeping that in my back pocket. <laughs> yeah. I might not even really shit. I might just pretend. <laughs> you just want them yeah. to feel. Because what if I want to shit in front of that person, but I don't have to go? Have I to mean, pretend. dude, that, that is like power, though. Like You have to sit here while I take a shit. And there's nothing you can do about that's why that's why I think Dave and I have talked about this before in the past, like in the animal kingdoms and stuff like that. Like 
true alphas don't really last that long because you kind of start to get tired of taking their shit all the time and you kind of want to get you and the boys riled up and go take them out because of that because you know people can only take so much disrespect basically and also it doesn't take uh but a couple betas to take out one alpha like julius caesar full circle a bunch of betas stabbed him yeah gathered around and all took a stab they were all distraught by it even some of the ones that stabbed him could not believe they had done it and this really actually i'm just again it's coming to me now um there were many people they were at a theater uh, I can't remember whose theater it was. I believe it was Pompey, the general, the very rich general. I could be wrong. Someone's going to bitch about it online because they don't have a life, but <laughs> uh, they gathered around him and stabbed him. And they were said to be distraught uh, at his burial. They they didn't bury him, but they they laid him out on a marble couch, I believe. And they all took turns just looking over him. And it was said that even some that were were stabbing uh were were actually upset and now you can tell because i've completely lagged out and i'm talking slow because i'm observing the i the mob mentality that we have today the um where it's a dog piling it's everyone jumps on and they get captured by the uh, it could be in person. It could be at a, a demonstration, a protest, a group, a mob, a herd, whatever you want to call it, a tribe, whatever. Or it could be in digital. It could be online. Uh, they get this confidence in this uh, one-upsmanship. And you see it in gangs, too. I grew up in gangs my whole life. So it's always like, who's the baddest dude? Oh, he did that? Well, I'll do this type of thing. Yeah. It's mob mentality. Get the mob going crazy. And they slash Julius Caesar apart. And then they cry about it afterward as if their hand wasn't the one that pushed the knife on him. I got a friend who's a firefighter. And he said that you know one of the things that they are taught, I've heard this multiple different places, too, is if someone's, you know, on a building and they're going to jump, is that they don't allow crowds near because other there's people been will? So, so many No, no, no. So many people there's been multiple times where people in the crowd have started to yell jump and have yelled for the person to jump and then afterwards when they're asked about it, they feel guilty like, "Oh, I just got caught up. I was late to work and I was mad that this guy was standing there and so I just started yelling jump." And then afterwards, they almost all feel bad individually. That's a scenario where I wouldn't even trust the defense of the person. Um, You know, that's kind of a causation and correlation thing where I wouldn't even believe, you know, maybe perhaps he was late for work and maybe whatever. But I think that's almost an instinctive shout. Yeah. And he could point to a bunch of justifications about how shitty his life is. I'm late for work. The old lady hates me. I got these kids. I've got these annoyed. I just told this guy to jump. But he's just talking about a shitty life. I don't, I don't know, uh, you know, garner sympathy for the fact that he just encouraged someone to jump. Um, I think it might be a little bit more mammalian, reptilian brain, lower on the on the scale of the, of just straight instinctual impulse. Yeah, I think people yell jump because they want to see a motherfucker jump. Yeah, they want to see if a body will bounce when it hits the cement. And who wants to say that though? To a, yeah, why'd you get? Why'd you? Yeah, why'd you tell this guy to jump? I wanted to see him jump. Who? Who says that? Only. It's funny that we've changed the definition now, but only I was going to say only a psychopath would say that, and I meant I would mean it literally because the definition of a psychopath used to be um, a man who lacks a conscience. So a person that would say that uh, wouldn't consider 
how the other person that he was answering to viewed him. We don't say psychopath anymore. Now we say uh, antisocial or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I believe that he would just want to see him jump. Speaking of, uh, you know, like with Julius Caesar being killed and then the people feeling bad about it afterwards and maybe tying in a gang life. I don't know. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever been or, or heard of it? Yes, more times than not. Really? Especially when you have people killing people they love, family members, stuff like that. I mean, my family's so fucking whacked out, they kill each other. So, All right, we'll wrap it up. David, thanks again for being on the show. Um, and by the way, if you're a fan of David and his music, please subscribe because we'll see more of him in the future. Uh, that's the plan. And, and I think we're going to do some really cool content together, collaborating with David on this. Uh, so, so please stay tuned. Before we really go, though, we always try to do a bit of an art challenge with each episode. Um, so obviously the art challenge today is we want to see some sort of drawing, some sort of art sent to us on our socials uh, that do ancient Rome. And I tell you what, if you can draw David as like an emperor or a gladiator or something, some kind of ancient Rome tie-in, you may win the prize for the week. So would you send out a signed CD for the winner? Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do whatever you want. Awesome. That's badass. All right. Winner of the art challenge gets a signed CD from David. So, so next time we talk too, then we'll, we'll hop on yeah. Kissinger. Kissinger's going down. All right. Well, that's it for today.